0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Hello, wickedly wily and wonderful whizzes. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 18. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your and this is submitted by one of our listeners, Encyclopedic and Eloquent Entourage of Educated and Enjoyable Envoys of Aesthetic Exposition. Whoa. Good job. I was looking for
0: eggheads in there, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) By uh, Mr. Ed Budner. Thank Thank you. I'm Colin.
2: I'm Dana. And I'm Chris.
0: Yeah,
1: we got some phenomenally awesome news last week. Apple released their uh, official podcast app and we were featured on a lot of their oh, promotional the promotion. stuff. Yeah. That was
3: pretty cool to see.
1: And, and for Apple to be like, this is worth featuring is, is very humbling. So thank you. Thank you so much iTunes and Apple and to be in the company of CNN. CNN and yeah.
3: NPR. NPR. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most most impressive to me was uh, Cookie Monster. Oh is yeah, Sesame Street. street. Uh, yeah.
1: so, so thank you guys. Because of this we actually got a lot of questions uh via email twitter and facebook about just us in general like who the the heck are you who are you guys So we have a couple questions, and uh, let's just start with a big one. This is from uh, Catherine Smith on Twitter, and her question is, how did you all uh, meet and get together to form your trivia team?
2: Well, Karen and I were just getting dinner. Now, we, we had known each other since, uh, like, 2005 or so, and, and uh, we were just trying to find somewhere to go, and there was this English pub that was down in San Francisco's financial district that I'd always looked at and thought, oh, I want to go there and try it. You know, we'd never had the chance to, and so we're like, okay, we'll just go in here and we'll try this. And we sit down, and just so happened to be in the middle of trivia night. And Karen said to me, like, listen, Chris, if we can't join in on this trivia game, we have to leave <laughs> because I like she. You couldn't just sit there and listen to trivia without participating that in that trivia. Yeah,
3: because I think that all of the trivia nerds, you have that impulse of oh, I know this. You just want to shout it out.
2: Uh, so yes, we were able to join, and at the very at the tail tail end of the trivia game, we were able to play like two rounds of trivia. We we just kept going back there the next Thursday and the Thursday after that, and and just kept adding friends. First, well, we added our friend Rob who who moved away. But then it was actually me and Karen and Rob and Colin, you came on.
3: So Karen and I had started working together. I noticed that she kept going to trivia, and she'd asked me to come out a couple weeks, like, hey, you know, are you good in this area of trivia, good in this area of trivia? She's kind of scoping me out. Um, Well, so the thing is, we were bad. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We were really bad. Right.
2: We were doing okay.
1: Compared to teams of six or ten people, we weren't good. And there were obvious gapes in our knowledge, which (laughs)
3: is mainly music and sports. Well, I think, Yeah. Yeah, I remember you were particularly impressed that I had some sports knowledge. So... We needed a sports person. Yeah, the so... only
2: zero round that we've ever had <laughs> was Karen and I trying to do a sports Big round. Big, fat, <laughs> zero, goose, goose egg. egg.
1: That was really bad. Couldn't even get one. Couldn't even get one question. <laughs>
3: nope. So, of course, being a trivia nut, I happily joined the team. Rob, as you say, I moved away. Mm-hmm. And Dana, yeah. who also worked with us.
0: You guys were trying out subs. and I, You asked me, and I was like, yes. yes I knew. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds awesome, and then um, I went, and we happened to win that night. And I was like, "Oh, this is the best!" <laughs> yeah. like, the this. intoxicating yeah. feeling of
3: winning, yeah. yeah. And it's a good on-the-job interview too, as yes. well. Yeah, I was
0: like, "Well, I did contribute to your win tonight. So I think you should consider me for
3: the position." <laughs> and then,
0: like, and yeah. we won the Bay Area finals, and we like the sweat was pouring off us. Of we, like,
3: <laughs> We're as, like, they must have made a mistake, yeah. right? Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. One of the
0: best moments of our lives was the night we won the Bay Area Trivial
3: Finals. <laughs> it still is. <laughs>
1: and, and the thing is, we're not... We're not that good. No, we, well, we're hey, good, you know, we're good. The, it, it, takes,
3: the, it takes equal parts skill and luck. I think like anything, any any kind of success takes skill and luck, and we've been you know, and we've had both.
2: The questions just happened to fall our way that night, and you know, we just happened to be there with the right answers at the right time. It was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's it's so much fun.
1: That's how this team got together, and hopefully, this will inspire you to join up some friends and go to your local yeah, pub trivia. Yeah. So let's head on to our general quiz section. Uh, pop quiz, hot shot. Okay, so I have a random Trivial Pursuit cart here, and we have your barnyard buzzards ready. And so I have to say first... The Trivial Pursuit I bought is your normal, standard, modern Trivial Pursuit that you see in a, you know, Walmart or or Target or a game store. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that nowadays they have pictures on Trivial Pursuit Uh... cards. And so I actually had to modify some of the questions because in this case, they just showed a picture of a compass and says, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) And obviously that doesn't really work on air. Also, that's a pretty lame question. I modified some. Ah, just, Just to warn everybody. So let's do geography blue wedge what noted geographical standard passes through the Royal Observatory in Greenwich in southeast London
2: uh, 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 <laughs> The Greenwich Mean Time line the Time something something? Oh, this is wrong. (laughs) On the right track. Uh, On the right track.
3: Is it the Prime Meridian? Correct. The Prime Meridian. The Prime Meridian, which Which is is what they base Greenwich Mean Time on, right? Okay.
1: So it is zero on the longitude. And okay, pop culture pink wedge. What show features President David Palmer?
2: Twin Peaks. Incorrect. <laughs> oh, Laura Palmer. And she's
0: dead. <laughs>
3: and she's dead. And she was not president, no. so far as I know. Uh, I don't watch the show, but I believe that's 24. Correct. Oh.
1: Yellow wedge. Fawn Hall was the infamous paper shredding secretary of what participant in the 1980s Iran-Contra affair?
3: Uh, that was Oliver North. Yes. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah.
1: Purple wedge. In roll dolls. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, what does Arthur Slugworth ask Charlie to steal from Willy Wonka's factory? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that would be an everlasting star Correct. Right.
1: <laughs> Green wedge for science. In late 2006, the population of what species inexplicably fell by millions? Bees? Correct. Honey, Honey bees. bees. That's right. we talk That's right. about that a lot. Right, right. Okay, last question. Orange Wedge. Which was not an 80s fashion trend? Leg warmers, shoulder pads, Kate Spade bags, or guest jeans?
3: Oh, Chris. Kate Spade bags. Correct. Yeah, yeah even the guys know that yeah.
1: Designer launched her handbag line in 1993. That's <laughs> I was going to say it was 90s. What uh, yeah. <laughs> right. the
3: other ones? Uh, leg warmers,
2: shoulder leg pads. Leg warmer,
1: shoulder pads, and guest jeans. Guest yeah. jeans.
2: Couldn't think of the name Oliver North. But new. new <laughs> About 87 friends. Bizarro world. Good job. It's right? not so bizarre,
0: Chris. <laughs>
1: and we also have a Kickstarter backer question. This is from Ernesto from Brownsville, Texas. And he asks In 1945, the United States tested the first nuclear weapon. Since then, seven countries have claimed to develop their own nuclear weapons program. What are those countries? Okay. Let's just let's just say it out. Uh, okay. Right. Okay.
3: Okay. So China claimed China. North Korea. Correct. Soviet, Iran Soviet Union slash Russia Russia. Russia, correct. Uh, France, I believe. Correct. Um, didn't I Iran, oh, uh, Iran did uh, not haven't Pakistan? they said that they were no, working India, on nuclear weapons? India and Pakistan. Correct. Correct. The, the keyword is claimed to have. Oh claimed to have. Right. So India and Pakistan, I know. Uh, how many are we at there? We
1: one more. So so far we have Russia, France, right. China, right. India, Pakistan. North Korea and UK? one more. Yes. Uh, UK,
3: right. UK. And there are others you say like I know Israel would not be included because they don't there's they have their sort of strategic ambiguity. They'll they'll neither confirm nor deny that they have nuclear weapons. I evidence. see. I see where we're going with this. Good job,
1: brains. Let's jump into our topic of the week. Kind of weird. We're going to take a trip to the bathroom <laughs> together. <laughs> together. Why
0: together? All of us. <laughs> And you say you've got me out of your system. I've been flushed from the bathroom of your heart
1: very universal yeah. but not a lot of people think about the different trivia different well, so I like
3: a... to think that you know we're accused of having a lot of poo jokes I like to think that we can uh, we can approach this in a much more highbrow manner <laughs> right. of, you know right. We, right. Can, right. we can talk about the bathroom and do it let's in an not, educating and enlightening way
2: let's not joke about it though let's really talk about, yeah. it. <laughs> about poop for today real. On, on a
3: very d- special episode yeah. of Good <laughs> Job
2: Brain the straight dope about poop <laughs> the straight poop but
1: it's not just about poo. I mean we love talking about poop but, yeah, but all the time. you know don't get There's me wrong. There's a lot more that
2: goes on in that yeah. room, yes.
1: So say, you know, let's let's frame this like as if you're going to the bathroom. You just woke up in the morning and you're going yeah. to the bathroom and this is your morning ritual. Right. First thing you wake up, you mm-hmm. wash your face. Of course, you, you brush your teeth. I have some... Interesting factoids and stories about toothpaste. Ah, yes. And toothpaste, and I didn't really think about this, or and now it makes so much more sense. I always thought it was the toothbrush that kind of um, polishes your teeth as you're as you're brushing your teeth, mm-hmm. but really, toothpaste in itself is an abrasive paste. It's, mm-hmm. it's wet and, you know, squishy, but mm. really it's made out of really, really tiny, tiny uh, abrasive particles in there that's supposed to polish and it's like clean a polish, your teeth. It's like a polish, right? Yeah you're, exactly. yeah, you're
2: polishing your teeth. Right, it's not like just something delicious to taste while you're while you're doing something. And
1: before toothpaste was invented, uh, people used, man, all kinds of Weird stuff um, before toothpaste, there was the very popular in, in in some countries still in use tooth powder, sure you dip your finger in powder and you kind of uh, scrub your teeth with your finger using this powder and it cleans away. but even back then, before tooth powder, people used a bunch of weird stuff. they used basically dry and rough things uh, as an abrasive to clean their teeth, such as crushed eggshell mm. oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> good protein source like, too. Yeah. Bleeding gums. Yeah. Burnt <laughs> who's of animals.
3: Okay.
1: And uh, charcoal. Okay. And I guess
3: I can see the charcoal. It's kind of abrasive a little bit, and and it cleans the odor too. I suppose.
1: Yeah. At first, I was like, "Whoa, charcoal! Wouldn't that just make your whole mouth black and ashy and stuff?" But then I thought about, you know, they use charcoal for so many filtration systems, right? Like Brita, your normal right, yeah. Brita right, right. water filtration system. It, it, it does absorb a lot of the impurities and toxins and and, and whatnot. I would say probably the biggest revolution in in toothpaste or teeth cleaning would be the invention of the tube of toothpaste, Mm. which was inspired by paint tubes,
3: Ah. tubes of paint. Like artists' paint tubes?
1: Yep. So Dr. Washington Sheffield uh, from London, he had his own toothpaste cream and he had the idea of of using toothpaste tubes Mm -hmm. when his son went to Paris and saw a bunch of painters. They're like, hey, we can use this. Ah. Sadly, at first, the toothpaste tubes were made out of lead. Uh, so, oh, yeah. So. That's a shame. Good oh. thing, good thing we learn from our mistakes. Trial and error. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but one of the biggest mysteries for me uh, regarding toothpaste is. Have you guys ever drank orange juice or ate things after just brushing oh, yeah. your teeth? Oh yeah, it's,
3: it's orange juice is the worst. It, it's just that weird bitter kind of what is right. yeah, what is the why well, does it
2: taste weird? Well, my understanding was that toothpaste like it killed off the sweet taste buds. I don't mean, know, killed them, but like it sat on <laughs> top of them, them or you know the molecules bonded or something happens where like you can't taste sweet anymore. Oh. So all you're tasting is the bitterness of the orange juice. But I don't know if that's True or not.
1: You're I mean, you're on the right track. Yeah. It, specifically, it's there there are two things. There's stannous fluoride and there's sodium lauryl sulfate. Um mm-hmm. stannous fluoride, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, in toothpaste it's used as to kill bacteria. And sodium lauryl sulfate is used as like a wetting agent right. and like it's a, a foaming a, it's agent. A Both of those things, you're right, it does somehow suppress the receptors of our taste buds that particularly taste sweet. And so it kind of blocks it out. Uh. And and we are unable to pick up sweet notes of, of food and drink. And if that wasn't enough, um, they also do a lot of crazy science magic, such as breaking down phospholipids on our tongue and somehow enhances the bitterness. So it's like it's like
3: the, like the one-two combination. Yeah. So it's not only strips away the sweet, but amplifies the bitter. The bitter. Yep. Uh, Got and it. And that's
1: why things taste weird. And toothpaste throughout the years, there are a lot of different flavors. In modern times, we have a lot of like weird novelty flavors there's bacon toothpaste and there's <laughs> like right pickle toothpaste and cupcake toothpaste. Not that, you know, anyone actually really loves brushing your teeth with it. It's just kind of like as a novelty. In Korea, they have pine-flavored. Pine? Toothpaste. Oh. Yeah, huh. pine. and it Tastes in, like Christmas. And of yeah. course, Japan has a, a a whole crazy load of different toothpaste flavors, such as curry. There's also chocolate toothpaste, mm-hmm. okay. aloe vera <laughs> not toothpaste. Not that people
2: actually use these things. I don't but know. But they're, they're, they're more like novelties.
1: Yeah, but this might or might not be a, a novelty. Let Let's hope it's not. I found a vintage retro ad in American Magazine back in 1961 in a magazine called House and Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And this is an advertisement for toothpaste that is flavored with whiskey.
3: Huh. Whiskey
1: flavored toothpaste. And I'm going to read the exact copy from the <laughs> ad.
3: Okay.
1: Genuine six proof stuff. Scotch and bourbon. So not so not only just Scotch, There's Scotch and yeah, variety, scotch or yeah, bourbon, yeah. Uh, depending on your taste. And it says, "Why fight oral hygiene? Enjoy it." here's real he-man toothpaste best argument yet for brushing three times a day two and a half ounce tubes flavored with the real thing scotch or bourbon night before feeling on the morning after rinse with soda instead of water if you prefer scotch and soda
3: (laughs) one dollar per tube that's pretty brilliant.
1: Six proof stuff. There you go. Well, it didn't so have sense- can-
2: okay. So first of all, I didn't have Sensinine back in the day, and a lot of people would use whiskey on, oh, a, uh, on a on on a sore a tooth, tooth, on a sore so tooth. yeah, or something. Right right, right, right. Can you just so I'm imagine just sort of like, some uh, dude trying
1: whiskey. to get drunk and just like bought a whole bunch of toothpaste and uh, just like it? Yes,
2: yes, I can. Uh, yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so speaking of rinsing, I wanted to talk a bit about mouthwash, but specifically about Listerine, uh, which is like the granddaddy
3: of all mouthwashes, at
0: least, yeah. and the most painful. <laughs> yes, it's the alcohol based. Like, That's how you know
3: it's working. It hurts.
0: <laughs> it's killing all the germs. <laughs> yeah. So Listerine, I, I for some reason I thought it was named it was um, made by Joseph Lister who Wait, who, it isn't? It's not. It was not it, made by Joseph it was named Lister. named after him. Yes, was it was it named, named after for it? him. Oh, okay. Right. Because right. he was the pioneer of um, sterilizing surgical equipment, so huh. it sterilizes your mouth. It was actually de- developed to sterilize surgical equipment and they named it, it after him. It certainly him. So, tastes
3: so like it. <laughs> Zing. So it wasn't Hell.
0: It wasn't even for consumption. It was made for equipment at first. And then mm. they realized that, that you doesn't could use me it doesn't make it feel your...
3: good. <laughs> and they were really trading on his yeah. name as the pioneer of sterile environments, yes. right?
2: Then one day, the local drunk <laughs> ran out of whiskey flavored toothpaste <laughs> and started chugging the surgical sterilization equipment and realized, hey, this tastes pretty good. And had the best breath of everyone in the whole town. <laughs> you know what? Of all the hobos. The,
0: the end. <laughs> it's. I mean, that's not right but it's not that far off really <laughs> like um, i'll like tell you a story so it started being sold over the counter in 1914 and then by the 20s they've kind of figured out their marketing angle well, they were marketing it as a way to get rid of halitosis and their ad was like this woman is thinking about a man and she's like oh could it work but he has such bad breath you know like that was kind of their tone of it and use Listerine and then she won't have this like dilemma about whether or not to date a guy with bad breath and before this bad breath was not like this big it wasn't a big social prop right right. yeah they created the idea of halitosis basically Mm. Listerine created the idea of bad breath being like a big deal it was was a
2: solution in search of a problem yes got it but
0: other things uh, Listerine cured include dandruff cured dandruff they claimed it cured okay Okay. okay.
2: In fact, you would not have any hair Uh, at all if you... Also,
0: gonorrhea. Okay. They were marketing it for a while as a cure for the cold, common cold, but the FDA told them they had
3: to stop. Hold it was on. Now, yeah, hold cold. on. I think I have the same yeah. question Karen does. It's This is applying Listerine. Yes. As a okay. cure for gonorrhea, do I drink it, or do I? is it a topical application? It's a
0: topical okay. application. Okay.
3: Mm. All right. Enough oh, said. No. Nah.
2: But, but they, were,
0: they were told they couldn't say, tell people that anymore. No. Because it was- <laughs> <laughs> and just about every decade, there's a claim about what Listerine can do, and then mm. they get sued, and they have to stop claiming <laughs> if you look back, so, so tingly so like, yeah, it's burning, so it's working.
3: Obviously,
1: it I, does. It does make me think it's working, I and totally, all the germs no, are I dying. Totally right agree. now, I totally agree. I
3: totally agree. Although I'm sure it's not necessary. Same thing. I just feel like, oh, I can feel it burning, and it yeah. must be doing something good in there. Brainwash.
1: We're brainwashed. Yeah,
3: yeah or mouthwash. <laughs> <laughs> mouthwash. Oh, <my> <laughs> <laughs> and
1: of course, uh, you know, after brushing your teeth and rinsing your mouth, you would probably
3: your- take a shower you're gonna right? hop in the shower right yep. exactly hop in the shower and wash yourself with some soap and wash your hair with some shampoo one uh, can only hope. one can only hope you know you may you may have a different procedure you may wash your body with listerine <laughs> <laughs> you'll be Steril. sterile <laughs> <laughs> i'm sterile for work do you guys doesn't want to know or want to take a guess where we get the word shampoo do you know where it comes from Oh, what language man. is the source? I
2: think I, my fiance and I looked this up once because we were in like Paris and in and the, in the, of course in the hotels the bottles were like du shampooing, You know, I'm like okay, well, where does, <laughs> where this, does this really come from? come from? I can't remember. I hope it's not the poop.
3: Huh? No, no, the origin is a Hindi. It actually comes from a oh, Hindi word, okay. uh, champo, which really comes from the verb meaning to to massage or to knead. Yes, okay. And so going back, you know, traditionally the Indian traditional process of a champo would be sort of an herbal, oily mixture that they would knead into the scalp, and it was fragrant and felt really good, uh, but like, really the emphasis was on sort of the massaging, kneading part, and then that practice sort of made its way into England, and then over time, the herbal, oily treatment sort of fell out and became focused more on uh, application of soap. It was really just soap on your hair, and now there is a difference between soap and shampoo, and, I, and I'm not going to turn this into science hour here, but soap basically, soap, anyone can make soap. It just comes from fat. It's mm-hmm. pretty simple. You, you boil fat and the and you mix in something that's alkaline, you know, lye or ashes. You know, you mentioned charcoal earlier, so maybe there's something there. And essentially, it'll create the soap out of the fat. It's a really simple process. And people would use soap on their bodies, on their hair, on their dishes, on their dog, on their house, everything. But, you know, if you've ever cleaned your hair with soap, you know there's two problems. It makes it super dry, and it kind of has that weird residue on it. So in World War I, in Europe, they needed supplies of glycerin. Now, glycerin is a byproduct. Bi- product of soap. And so what a lot of uh, citizens were doing was really conserving grease and soap, and it was going toward making munitions for the, for governments to fight war. So what people needed was a way to clean things that was not so heavily dependent on fats and lipids. And so German inventors basically came up with the first detergents, what we call detergents now, which is a way of cleaning things that doesn't require fat to make them. So this is really smart. So Karen, you mentioned earlier sodium lauryl sulfate, which is is what they invented. Wow! So that is the premier surfactant. So it uh, it's a foaming element, and it basically uh, it's a it's a wetting agent. So you can mix things in with it, and they'll mix with water. And
1: then you can put it in your mouth and make orange juice that's taste weird. That's right.
3: That's right. So they took that and uh, bundled it with other chemicals that basically do the same thing on grease that soap did, but you didn't need to have grease to make it. And they could use it to clean guns and tanks and also people. So <laughs> shampoo is really detergent for your hair. Hmm. So no! that's why if you look at almost any <laughs> bottle of commercially made shampoo you'll see somewhere on the label sodium lauryl sulfate or a related compound sodium lauryl sulfate which is the surfactant that lets it wet your hair and brings in the agents that'll do the cleaning. It's now, just hair detergent. It is hair detergent and it's not soap strictly speaking You're although blowing they do my do a lot of the same thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Someone someone on one of the iTunes review said that he got sick of me saying like
0: oh
3: I can't I can't help it. I'm going <laughs> to Try no. But, like, so you know, it's important you do it. It gets us yeah. pumped up. <laughs> it is. It's, it's part of the chemistry. Yeah. Um, so again, I don't want to get too into science hour, but the advantage of detergents over soap is they bind with the grease pretty much instantly. You don't need like soap. You need to work it with your hands, which is why you know, you have to manipulate. So all of the other ingredients in shampoo are really just there for visual or psychological benefits. So they add thickeners cause it feels better in your hair. All the foaming and sudsing in shampoo has nothing to do with the cleaning process. They add essentially bubble bath and sudsing agents because people didn't feel like, oh, it's not sudsing. It's not cleaning.
1: That's what I always thought.
3: <laughs> the sudsing, the foaming, the thick kind of pearlescent look that has nothing to do with the cleaning ability of shampoo in your hair. It's just to make it feel like it's doing it's really doing something. Oh man. It's for consumer appeal. <laughs> right, right. But I'm sure that you guys probably would all agree. The most brilliant part of consumer appeal in shampoo was the invention of the phrase lather, rinse, Repeat. repeat. Use twice, basically. Yeah. And again, the lather rinse repeat is about a consumer appeal, you know, essentially to get you to use the shampoo faster. Yeah. And a lot of people will say, well, it feels different. And it does feel a little bit different. It does feel like it
2: because your hair is clean.
3: You're getting more conditioners mm-hmm. on there. That's right. Yeah. So the first pass through cleans off all the grease and leaves some conditioners. The second pass through, there's no grease to take away. So you're just adding more conditioners, but you're not making it any cleaner. So I was, do
1: that. This is crazy. <laughs> I do it too. It
3: always feels like that second pass through is the you're real like, one. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah because it foams up so well because there's nothing to get in the way of the foaming so uh, Lies. it is Lies. the first commercially available uh, shampoo with synthetic surfactants and detergents was DREEN D-R-E-N-E uh, oh, yeah. which came out in the 1930s yeah. and, and it really that was one of its selling points was this all sort of all new technology of synthetic uh, surfactants and cleaning so that in a nutshell is the difference between shampoo and soap if, and why these these bottles are lying to me. Right. Well, you know, it's, you know, I remember there were days as, you know, a college bachelor where you use one bar for everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but some people swear, it's like, oh, I can just use disc detergent for my hair. And they have. On a fundamental level, you can.
2: I, I forget if it's Axe or Old Spice, probably both, but they've got, like, hair and body wash for men, <laughs> you know, just so you can use one thing for everything. Yeah. I, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to point out that, I mean, after I take a shower, I go straight to the medicine cabinet and load myself up with my daily uh, regimen of various and sundry pills and and medicines. (laughs) We can save drugs, I think, in general, can be an entire episode on their own. But I, I, I started looking into this a little bit like, oh, what's in your medicine cabinet? That kind of thing. And I found out something that I did not know that I thought was kind of interesting and wanted to share. Besides the fact that they are both obviously drugs, what do heroin and aspirin, particularly have in common. Oh, I know. Uh, they were both originally trade names. Indeed. Of the Bayer Company. Yes. Yes, and were sold side by side. Over the, Aspirin, counter. Over the counter. Aspirin for headaches and heroin. Bayer brand heroin <laughs> was a cough medicine. <gasps> oh.
3: Yeah. And I mean, most cough medicines today are still nar- narcotic-based yes. or opiate-based. Yeah. It's
2: just really effective at, at
3: suppressing cough.
2: Right. It was because <laughs> methadone was was so awesome at suppressing cough, so they decided to, oh, let's try to make a, a compound that is isn't as addictive as methadone. (laughs) So they came up with this new comment called heroin. Can you
3: imagine this day when you could just casually stroll into your corner druggist and get a bottle of Coca-Cola with real cocaine? Oh, and I'll have some Bayer heroin for my coffee With my top hat and spinning my cane. Just
2: be like, my good man, I would like the bottle of your finest heroin. Um, And of course, uh, aspirin used to be a... Trademarked trade name of right. Bayer, and uh, of course it is now passed in; it has become genericized. Her- so is heroin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <it's laughs> they true. were, I think, it's they true. were a little bit less sad to not have that <laughs> connected with. Yeah, they don't
3: anymore. seem to be fighting to protect their marketing rights to that one quite as yeah. Not as much.
1: All right, we're gonna take a quick mnemonic break uh, from all this uh, bathroom talk. We'll we'll get back to you know the real stuff, which is poop that we're gonna talk about. <laughs> we'll get there. Af- yeah, we'll, get, we'll there. get there. We'll get there. <laughs> You'll see. Um, and so this week's mnemonic. It is to help you memorize and identify the countries in Central America.
3: This is good, because we, we always get these little geo quizzes of where the, the, the country names are blanked out, and it's, what country is this? Right. And there's a little X on it.
1: Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, you're shown a line map, an uh, unnamed line map of Central America. Now you can name all the countries with this little mnemonic. Here's the order. The thing is, Central America is kind of shaped like a S like a tilted S. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard. I was thinking, well, I can go from left to right, but that gets a little bit weird because some countries kind of start at the same line. And then if I can go north or south, and that's kind of weird too, because like, do I count the topmost part of the country right. line? Basically, we're following the curve of the S from the very top. And so here are the countries, Belize, Guatemala, El Salvador, not Ecuador. Ecuador is in South America. Mm-hmm. It's El Salvador, Mm -hmm. honduras nicaragua costa rica and panama and so the mnemonic is baby godzilla eats hot dogs not cocoa puffs i like that
2: (laughs) baby godzilla eats hot hot dogs okay so what is it belize Guatemala eats El, El Salvador. Salvador, not Ecuador. Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Panama. Panama. Okay, mm-hmm.
1: baby Godzilla eats, eats hot, dogs, hot dogs, not, not okay. cocoa, puffs. which makes perfect sense. I would believe they would be carnivores,
3: baby yeah, Godzillas, yeah, that and does so make sense. yeah,
1: they wouldn't want cocoa, puffs. cocoa they want, puffs. They want something meaty and portable, like a hot dog.
3: I like that one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one.
1: So there you go. Hopefully, this will come in handy for you in your lifetime. Probably not, though.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's why we call it trivia.
1: So let's get back into the bathroom and really talk about the, the, the main event of the main event. <laughs> the oh, big the show. <laughs> big <laughs> show. You
3: really know how to sell it. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we can't talk about the bathroom without talking about the toilet. So let's, let's just get right to it. Okay. So I'm going to try and do this in a very dive educational... In. Let's dive in, if, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> um, uh, drop
0: us off at the pool. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
3: This used to be such a nice little podcast we had here. It's hard to talk about the modern flush toilet without talking about two names. And you guys can probably guess what one of these names is
2: John Crapper.
3: Mr. Thomas Crapper. Oh, okay. Who is actually a, a very often um, misnamed as John Crapper. But oh, Thomas
2: Crapper. Thomas Crapper. Yeah. And of course, Sorry. you know, we,
3: I certainly. His, his partner, Bob Dump. <laughs> I certainly remember hearing as a kid and in school, you know, the toilet invented by Thomas Crapper. And it's one of those things. It's just like, no, it's no. too good to be true. It, it's a mix of both. It is a mix of both. There actually was a Thomas Crapper. Yes. And he was active in England in the 1800s. And he did not invent the toilet. He, he really did do a lot to improve it and popularize the modern toilet. But flush what did toilet. he
0: invent on the toilet, which is also giggle worthy. It was the ballcock.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Which is the name of the sort of the little floating bulb if you've ever looked in the back of the toilet tank.
1: Whenever you're trying to fix your language like, ah, like, It's, it's right. always that thing. It's yeah, always that, that little floaty
3: thing. thing. It's always right. that thing. Thomas Crapper. So he did so there's two there are two common misconceptions about him. One is that he invented the toilet, he did not. Two is that his name is the derivation of the word crap. And it is not, in fact. It is purely, purely amazingly coincidental that Thomas Crapper uh, was was connected with developing the modern toilet. Yes, so the OED actually has an entry for crap in 1846, and Thomas Crapper would have been 10 years old at the time. So it is indisputable that his name is not the source of the word crap. And in fact, most linguists believe that it's a Middle English word, but it does mean what we all take it to mean. Mm -hmm. But it's just... Pure coincidence that Mr. Well, Thomas Crapper was uh, made his fortune uh, on the on toilets. Well,
0: maybe that's why he made his fortune on toilets. That's true. Saying. He was that's like, Oh, well, you know. If you what?
3: believe in, uh, in destiny. That's yeah. right. Embrace right. it. But uh, yeah, he was very successful, the Thomas Crapper and Company. And uh, he really promoted and popularized his style of flush toilets. And he does have a lot of patents to his name. The other name that you talk about, about the modern flush toilet, less known, is Sir John Harrington.
2: Is this why toilets are called John's? Well, there are a oh. dozen there are a
3: dozen <laughs> theories about why it's called the John. This is certainly one of them. It, you can't prove or disprove any of them, but no. th- this is one of them. Sir John Harrington, he was a uh, courtier in Queen Elizabeth I court. What does
1: that mean? So
3: he was sort of an an attendant. He hung around the court. Like you always see, you know, these nobles just sort of milling around, dispensing advice and doing their business. In 1596, he wrote a new discourse upon a stale subject, the Metamorphosis of Ajax, which is a fantastically uh, impressive name but is this writing is credited with the first description of what we know as the modern flush toilet huh. so he sort of designed this himself and it had one installed at in his manor and he references this in this treatise that he wrote so it's essentially a political allegory where he's talking about toilets so ajax like the god was a pun on ajax which would be a name for a toilet oh at the yeah, time. yeah yeah yeah. And yeah so it's ajax ajax it's huh. a very highbrow courtier pun but he he is commonly credited with really describing and he even has a, a diagram in his book of the modern flush toilet as we know it. Uh, there are stories he actually installed one in the Queen's Court. Um, I'm
0: imagining in the middle of the courtyard. <laughs> <laughs> right,
3: right. That's why they call it the throne. <laughs> oh. I, just, I just made that up. So in a very highbrow way, we have the first description of the modern toilet. There, there really is no one inventor of what we think of the toilet. It's just, it was an evolution uh, of, of, of a design that goes back of many, a, many of a Of a very necessary
2: design. Yes, and many
3: cultures saw the need for that kind of there was
2: There was a pressing, urgent need all the <laughs> The time to innovate in the toilet area. Yes, in okay. the in the toilet industry, because if you didn't, people would die. That's so there right. was there was there was a lot of pressures. The invisible hand. Yes, uh, if you we, will, we we, we will. see what they're doing there. Invisible. Yes. 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 What you have to know about me before I go into this this anecdote is that I I lived in Japan for two years, and one of the first things that you find out when you are a foreigner, you know, just starting to live in Japan, one of the first things that you realize is that. Going into a public restroom in Japan is either going to be the worst, most harrowing (laughs) experience of your life, or the most fun you have ever had pooping. (laughs) There is no middle ground. (laughs) Just extremes. It is only extremes. It is either horrible or magical. (laughs) In in a lot of parts, even still in Japan, the, they use the traditional Japanese toilet, which is a hole in the ground. Sure. Based on the humble hole in the ground, or in the case of like ancient Japan, a hole like cut into a tatami mat with like hinged wooden things that go over it. The first time, if you don't know what to expect, like you walk into a bathroom, like do you're gonna use the bathroom, or in my case, oh my god, really have to use the bathroom right now, and you're the with a you know an enameled oblong oval shaped enameled bowl set into the floor and it's like well, huh. What do I do with this? <laughs> and at first, I didn't understand what to do with this, and only later did I learn that you actually so the um there's there's the typical like flushing handle and the pipe works leading away from the bowl, but you actually squat over it facing the flushing handle, and you have to have balance because you're just squatting.
0: That's why they have a tight core. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say.
1: I mean, growing up, public places like in, in back in Taiwan, in movie theaters, even I remember having these types of Toilets and I was used to it. That's why all of us have really strong thighs. Right. Right, we have to squat right. Since yep. we're kids. Yep.
2: twice a day, you know. Try you not to, to
1: touch the toilet with your yeah, butt You don't
2: want to touch anything! Yeah. You don't want to actually fall. Because if you if you fall over a little bit, you just fall right into, into, into the, the whole the toilet. toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the craziest thing happened is that when Japan decided to modernize, and there's still a lot of squat toilets in, in Japan, but you know, they've been modernizing more. But when Japan decided to modernize their toilets, man, they went they all, went the all the out. They went I mean this is the the on the you know on the Simpsons where Homer you know goes to Japan and they show him the toilet and the toilet does like the light show right, like the musical right. light color fountain show <laughs> in the middle of the bowl. It is not that far off from Japanese <laughs> toilets. I mean the average, like you know, they they, they call it a Western style toilet. Typically when you encounter one in Japan now, first of all it has probably a heated seat. Like right, it's all electrified right. and it probably has a lid that opens and closes automatically. Um, it has a bidet, and it has two bidets, one, you know, for, for parts of the body that everybody has, and then parts of the body that only one particular gender has, <laughs> to hit both of those and wash them. Then it has heated air that will dry it for you. Um, and like a
3: control panel with like LED a, buttons and yes, stuff. And yes, and a
2: control panel sitting next to the toilet with LED readout screens and buttons showing <laughs> you how strong that water out of the bidet is going to be, how warm the seat is. There are, I mean, there are toilets in Japan with massage seats. Um, Whoa. Yeah. I am
3: uncomfortable <laughs> with that.
2: There are toilets in Japan that will, they don't do the colored light show yet, but they do, in fact, play music to, you know, just relax. you. Yeah, and sometimes you need and have a little fun. mood music. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are toilets that will automatically deodorize. The company, I think it's Toto, actually manufactures a toilet. I think they are still making this. They came up with a toilet in Japan that analyzes your urine. So if you're like diabetic or, or whatever, huh. or have like you Smart. know, wow, yeah. congratulations, yep. you're will, pregnant. Be, uh, is yeah, that like yeah, the exactly. Keeps stabbing me with insulin. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not with insulin. <laughs> This is what I'm talking about. Like, it's either going to be a wonderful, like, you're on vacation, (laughs) or it's going to be congratulations now you have to try to balance yourself uh, i do remember taking old...
3: a trip to japan with my family in in junior high or high school and it was it was that dichotomy it was and there were as you say there was that kind of place it's sort of between like a luxury hotel or an old style market where it could be either you you, you could open the door and it would be 50 50
2: the thing that still and again you know eventually i you know, keep going back to japan I, i'm all i'm comfortable with this you know i understand like the difference and uh i i'm never really shocked and but there was one thing that really surprised me, is that I went into the bathroom of a Kentucky fried chicken, which Kentucky fried chicken in Japan, again, topic for another show. <laughs> um, but I went to the bathroom of Kentucky Fried Chicken and they sat down, I'm like, oh, do my business and, and I kinda look and there's there's a there's um, a metal box mounted to the wall of this thing, it has a speaker and a button. And I'm like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Gotta press it. Um Press the button, and out of the speaker of this box that's mounted on the wall next to the toilet comes the sound of rushing water, the ah. sound of flowing water, the sound of a flushing toilet. And I'm like, oh my god, it's for people who are bladder shy. Yeah. And it turns out that is precisely what it is. Yeah. It to is for facilitate. It is. Yeah, and actually it turns out that the reason why is because women in public bathrooms are, I guess in Japan, some women are so mortified by the, the idea that someone might be able to hear them peeing that they will just flush the toilet constantly Mm -hmm. to just save flushing the toilets. Exactly. Ah, These things are in there to save water so they can make the sound of a flushing toilet (laughs) and cover cover up any bathroom noises. It is called the Otohime, or Sound Princess. (laughs) princess, I
0: love that. I thought you were going to say it was so I could order KFC (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Yes,
2: and they said, can I take your order? And they delivered the chicken to the bathroom. It's
1: like a dumb waiter. It's like an (laughs) elevator just drops down. (laughs) Bucket of chicken Thanks
2: Actually one thing They have in Japanese Toilets that I've Never seen here Maybe this just You've seen this In Taiwan as well Is that they actually um, they, they build the sink Into the toilet Oh yeah Yeah So basically The, the top of the Toilet tank Is a sink uh, And so when they Refill the toilet tank It's just a A sink faucet Comes up from the Top of the toilet And the water Pours down from the Faucet into a hole In the top of the Toilet tank And goes into the tank smart. So you can wash Your hands in that water And then the water You just wash your hands in Becomes That's smart. the toilet mm-hmm. water smart. Yeah again. Conserving water. Yeah.
0: I wanted to say something about bidet. You know what the word bidet means in French? Hmm. To wash your butt. It means pony. And you're supposed to ride a bidet like a pony. Did you know that? Oh! Oh, that's so funny.
2: Okay, did not know that.
1: Riding my pony.
0: <laughs> Riding my bidet. <laughs> Jump on it. And
2: they have the first time I we went to a hotel in France. Like the bidets in, in French hotels is a separate right, appliance. Right, right. It's a standalone. Right, mm-hmm. right.
0: Really quickly, I want to ask you guys some questions about toilet paper to see what you, what you know. <laughs> Before we get off the toilet. <laughs> Before yeah. we leave the, the toilet area, let's... Let's wipe it up or clean it up. (laughs) Let's let's clean up this topic with some toilet paper. (laughs) Sorry, you guys. (laughs) Oh, poo jokes. Anyway, so do you know how many sheets are on a standard roll of toilet paper? Like toilet paper squares. yeah, how many? How many
1: Wait,
3: no,
0: no, no, but I thought there's like
1: different sizes. Yeah, yeah there's like yeah, double roll, mega, rolls. Or mega
3: roll, yeah. or whatever the standard roll unit okay. is. That's right, a clever number?
2: So does a double roll of toilet paper, must it be exactly twice the the standard? I'm going to yes. guess oh, okay, all right. a thousand.
3: I'm just going to oh. guess a nice round oh. thousand. Oh. One dollar. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I
2: said 300, but I'm probably wrong.
0: A single ply um, roll of toilet paper is a thousand. Oh, two huh. Two ply is 500. And the uh, plies are layers of toilet paper. So yeah. double ply is the two sheets on top uh, of each other yeah. and single is just one. So that's, it's the same amount of paper, but because it's double ply, you might have a f- fewer uses.
2: Did you see, I believe that scientists have recently invented the triple ply. <laughs> they have managed to so break maybe through maybe it's 333 yeah, the quantum leap yeah I don't know I don't know what <laughs> it would yeah. be toilet paper Mach,
3: Mach 3 mm-hmm. I remember paper. a really good this is a good bar bet trivia question what's the largest single sheet of paper most people see in a day and most people will be like, oh, a piece of the newspaper. The the answer is a toilet paper roll because it is a single sheet of paper. It's just perforated. That's
0: a terrible, tricky question. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Wipe it up, Colin.
3: All right, well, thanks for uh, rolling us up there with that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a competition
1: now. <laughs>
3: yeah, let's please. Let's not I necessarily... wrapped it up.
0: Thank you.
3: Yes. <laughs> yes. I have no way to come back from that one. But uh, so I think we have, I think we have covered a, a good amount of uh, toilet-based knowledge here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna shift gears entirely and take it out of the bathroom and perhaps into the living room where the speakers are because I have a quiz about music. Whoa! Yeah. So the theme of this quiz is band name origins. Of course, you know, great band names always have a little bit of an esoteric uh, appeal to their names. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some clues about the band and the origin of the name and you guys buzz in and tell me what the band is Ooh, okay. Okay. okay and we'll, we'll start we'll start off with an easy one here i i which i think is an easy one one of the most successful musical acts ever this band takes its name from a cold war era spy plane one of the most chris U2. Correct. U2. Oh. U2. That's right. The U2 spy plane, famous uh, I that American was a spy. Submarine. Plane. Not
2: the B52s, which <laughs> is a, <fashion laughs> from a bomber, yes, but yes, which is yes. a bomber, right, right, right.
3: This San Francisco-based band famously took its name from a folktale motif featuring a man who helps pay the debts of a restless ghost. Dana
0: uh, is it the Grateful Dead? It is That's the Grateful Dead. Guess. It is the Grateful Aww. Dead. And in fact, uh,
3: any of you folklore students will know that the, the Grateful Dead is a fairly common tale type, uh, which is comes in a lot of different forms, but it's either... A corpse whose family couldn't pay his burial debts or a ghost that has some sort of outstanding moral obligation. Huh. And this is the man, sometimes a knight, sometimes just a regular villager, pays the debts of the release. ghost. Huh. That's right. That's, release. That's right. Oh. And the story goes that one day the band, which had been called the Warlocks prior to that, were on drugs. And uh, the name essentially popped out to them. They were flipping through a folktale book trying to find a new name. This band, perhaps more famous for their covers than their original hits... Takes its name from a government unemployment assistance form. Karen.
1: Never mind.
3: Uh, Chris. UB40. It is UB40. Oh, like, oh. It is UB40. In fact, I don't know if I could name a non-cover UB40 song. <laughs> uh, but yes, in in the UK, it's the unemployment benefits form. I was thinking 40.
1: American. I oh.
3: was being tricky. UB40. This Los Angeles-based band with an iconic lead singer. Took its name from the title of a book by Aldous Huxley. They were active in the sixties, seventies. I I only know Brave
0: New World. Yeah, that's the only one I know.
3: Mm. Iconic lead singer. Mm. It was the Doors. uh, Took their name from the Doors of Perception. uh, Huxley's probably second most famous book, right? Hmm. This high-energy British band took its name from a Gaelic phrase meaning "kiss my ass." (laughs) Chris, (laughs)
2: The Pokes.
3: It is The Pogues, Uh, yes. Comes from... Pogmahon. That's right, the phrase is Pogmahon, which is how they they performed under that name when they started out, which is kiss my ass, essentially. This 80s band, known for their groundbreaking videos in the early years of MTV, takes its name from the villain in the cult classic Barbarella, which of course starred a young Jane Fonda. This is all Mm. before my time. (laughs) Karen. Buggles. No, not the buggle. Dana. Devo? No, not Devo. Dire Straits? No, not Dire Straits. It is Duran Duran. Huh.
0: Oh, really?
3: Yes, so the, 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 the lead villain in Barbarella is Dr. Durand Durand. Last one. Last one. This is a little tricky here. This band takes its name from the title of a song in the Beatles movie, Magical Mystery Tour. It's the only song in the movie that was not performed by the Beatles. Oh. This one may be a you know it or you don't question, but I love the story behind it.
1: This is this quiz is very telling of your musical taste. <laughs> and yeah. how, well, you know it's, how different it is from mine. <laughs> you
3: know? So many band names, when you get into them, are are either meaningless or are really obvious. As I got, you know, are like,
1: really explicit
3: or really explicit. Yeah. That's true. Right. Right. Uh, it is Death Cab for Cutie. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. The song on the Magical Mystery soundtrack, along with other songs that you guys know, like Fool on the Hill and I Am the Walrus. Uh A sure. song called Death Cab for Cutie, performed by the Bonzo Dog Dah Band. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Uh, wow. Who was who huh. in that band? I, I don't have the list of the band members in front of me, but they essentially were friends of the Beatles and were asked okay. to perform on there. And that's Band Name um, Origins. Wow. Man, perhaps, man. perhaps tougher than I expected. Very
1: yeah. tough. All right. We've gone from the bathroom to, I guess, the (laughs) living room, and that is our show. So thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hopefully you learn stuff about Central America and crapper and (laughs) how many squares are in your standard roll of toilet paper. Very important stuff.
3: And what to expect when you go to the bathroom in Japan. Yes. Oh, yes. Very,
1: very good warning there. You can find us on Zune Marketplace, on iTunes, on Stitcher, and also on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. Join us on Facebook, on Twitter, and we'll see you guys next week.
0: Bye guys!